0: And I'm so privileged to be here and share the last message of this series. Because I love you. For the last three weeks, we've been exploring the love of the Father and seeing how the way that God loves us sets up the way that we're to love each other. And we've learned some different things through each of these messages. I just want to do a quick recap before we dive into this last message. In that first message that Pastor Kevin brought, we looked at how God loves us so he convicts us of our sin. I mean, he loves us right where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. He wants to draw us out. Into a new way of living, a better way, His way. And He loves us in that way, and so He draws us out. In that second message, we looked at healing and how we've all been through painful situations. We've all been hurt, but God knows our pain, He knows our hurt, and He has a purpose behind it. And so He wants us to bring that pain to Him, and He will help us to find healing. And then last week, we looked at the fact that love always gives. And so for a lot of us, that helped us to kind of reorient the way we love each other because we may have been doing it on a scale of measuring out how much I give based on how much I'm able to take, but that's not how love works. It it requires us to give. And, you know, there's a thread running through all of this, and that's the fact that for us to be able to love that way, we have to make ourselves vulnerable. And most of us don't like to be vulnerable. Anybody love just love being vulnerable? We don't normally sign up for it because when you make yourself vulnerable, there's one fact of life you're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. Maybe not this time, but it will happen. But without it, we can't truly love each other. Um, in 1 Peter four eight, it says this, most important of all, continue to show deep love. And that deep love, that's vulnerability. Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. See, when we love each other that way, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get hurt. But that love is big enough to cover those sins we've got to make ourselves vulnerable because we understand that god's love is big enough to cover our sin but let's ask this question this morning is god's love big enough to cover your sin against me is god's love big enough to cover when other people hurt us are we going to be able to extend the same kind of love and grace and forgiveness because we're supposed to forgive and forget right how exactly does that work has anybody ever been able to pull off the whole forgive and forget thing We might forgive, but we don't forget, do we? We we never forget. Actually, if I say something hurtful to you, you're never gonna forget it. You may forgive me, and right now, I bet if I challenge you, you can probably still hear hurtful words in your head that someone has said to you. Chances are, you still hear it in their voice. And some of us are living with a tape that keeps replaying in our mind of something hurtful that was said to us or hurtful that was done to us in the past. We always remember it. I mean, that's how. I mean, honestly, forgetting for me. I only forget stuff I'm supposed to remember, right? And I, I, there's stuff I want to forget that I can't. And that's how this works. So what do we do? Because forgiveness is really hard. I mean, we, we, we love the forgiveness of God. We're, we're, we're big fans of that. But, but why is it that we can be big fans of the forgiveness of God, but not big fans of giving out forgiveness ourselves? Why does it work that way? Truthfully, we're users, but we're not dealers. That's what it comes down to. We want to receive the love, receive the grace, receive the forgiveness, but when somebody else needs it in our lives, man, we withhold it. It's like we're hoarding it up like, well, if I give you my forgiveness, I'm going to run out. Like there's only so much available. So, so we only give it to a select few people, right? And that's what our lives end up looking like. Truthfully, we, we often hold others to a higher standard than God holds us. If we come to God, we find grace and forgiveness when we come to him in humility. But oftentimes, we don't extend that to other people. We're harder on them than God is on us. I read this story about a guy named Jeff Wilson. In 1984, he was a high school student on his way to school, and he was driving. It was a beautiful sunny day, and the sun got in his eyes. And in that moment where the sun got in his eyes, he didn't realize that there was someone in the crosswalk in front of him. And he hit that person with his car. Now, he said, it happened so fast. I wasn't speeding. I wasn't distracted. The sun got in my eyes, and all I know, in a split second, something flew over the hood of my car. He slammed on the brakes, threw it in park, and ran around, and behind the car was laying a younger student named Tammy Baird. He thought in that moment that he'd killed her. She was completely unconscious. The ambulance came. They they scooped her up and took her to the hospital, and she would survive, but she did have some pretty severe injuries. Jeff said in the days that followed that, he felt so guilty for what he had done. Even though he didn't do it on purpose, he had heard her and he said, honestly, I didn't even want to live. But he finally mustered up the courage to call the hospital and just check on her and see if she was going to be okay. And when he called, they connected to her room and her dad picked up the phone. Now, I can tell you this. As the father of three kids, one of them in the middle is my little girl, Millie. If you hit my daughter... Like, we ain't friends, okay? I don't care if it was an accident or not, okay? But her dad handled it a little bit differently. Jeff started to explain what happened, and he was so sorry, and it was an accident, all these things. And her dad stopped him and said, listen, first of all, you've got to know this. I've been where you are. He was like, what? And he said, actually, when I was younger, a child ran out in front of me chasing a ball, and I, I hit a kid with my car. It was, it was an accident, and the kid survived, but it was, there was some pretty bad injuries. So I've literally been where you are. And you also got to know this, I know you didn't do it on purpose, and I forgive you. Our family forgives you. Now, Jeff said that just overwhelmed him, because this is a guy who didn't even want to continue living because of the guilt that he was carrying, but her dad forgave him. Now, he's never going to forget that, that he went through, but he will always remember the forgiveness that was extended to him. And that's, what, that's how forgiveness works. Even though we may hurt someone, we know we did it, we're, we're racked with guilt. When we experience that forgiveness, it's life-changing. It's life-altering. Life so how do we do it when we know someone has hurt us? We know that they have sinned against us because that's what that passage in 1 Peter 4 said. It said that love covers a multitude of sins. That means that someone has wronged you. They were wrong. They sinned against you. But, but the love, it has the power to cover it. Well, I think we've got to understand what forgiveness really is. So first, let's understand this. What is forgiveness not? If you're a note taker, this is in your notes. You can fill in these blanks. The first thing I know is this. Forgiveness is not permission. When I forgive you, I'm not giving you permission to continue to hurt me. You may actually be in a situation where someone is hurting you, and you need to remove yourself from that situation. You can still forgive without giving permission. Forgiveness is also not saying it's okay. Like, it's not saying it wasn't wrong. I love that. Uh, in uh, in 1 Peter 4, 8, it says that love covers a multitude of sins. It, it is sin. Like someone sinned against you. They betrayed you. They lied about you. They did that. So I'm not when I forgive you, I'm not saying that you weren't wrong. Because truthfully, if you weren't wrong, then you don't need my forgiveness, do you? You don't deserve it. And that's what Jeff Wilson felt in that moment. He couldn't believe that he was forgiven because he said, I just really didn't feel like I deserved forgiveness. None of us deserve forgiveness. That's how forgiveness works. You only give it to somebody who doesn't deserve it. They were wrong. You forgive them anyway. You see, I can't excuse your sin by forgiving you. I also can't remove the consequences of your sin totally separate thing galatians 6 7 says don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of god you will always harvest what you plant you may have heard it this way you always reap what you sow when we do things there are consequences that come from it and don't get this twisted this isn't some karma thing where what goes around comes back around it is understanding that when we do things there are consequences have you ever been on the receiving end of forgiveness where you did something wrong and you don't really feel forgiven because you're still having to go through the consequences of your actions. See, some of you have been through painful relationship breakups, maybe even a broken marriage where it's ended in divorce. And you say, how can there ever be forgiveness there? I can't go back and undo. You can't. Forgiveness isn't a magical time machine that makes all the bad things come untrue. It says it was a sin, but I'm going to forgive you anyway. And so that's why you got to know that I can't undo what you did. I can't make the bad thing untrue. But I can decide if I will continue to be a victim and a prisoner of it or if I'm going to overcome. And that's why forgiveness is opening the door to healing. It's opening the door. It's saying now there is a possibility for healing because without forgiveness, there is no healing in our relationships, is there? It's not possible. See, when I open the door to healing, that means this relationship can find healing. I've done what I can do. That's what God's word says. It says, as far as you're concerned, live peaceably with everybody. So as far as I'm concerned, I have forgiven you. Regardless of how you respond to me, I'm forgiving you anyway. Because I'm not going to be a prisoner to it. And that's the fourth thing there. Is that forgiveness is the path to freedom. It's the path to freedom. Proverbs 19, 11. I love this passage. It says this. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. You ever overlooked an offense? You just overlook it. You see that it happened. It was wrong. They were wrong. But I'm going to overlook it. I'm just, I'm going to let it go. Maybe it was when you got cut off in traffic. And in that moment, you had a, you had a choice. You could fly on the bird or you could... Which ain't going to do anything. Or you can overlook it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let that one go. There's a story of a guy named Jack. And he was out for a hike. And he's walking along the edge of a cliff. He gets a little too close to the edge. And his footing slips. And he slides down the side. He starts grasping for anything. Literally trying to grasp for dear life. And he finally grabs hold of a root of a tree. And it holds. It holds. He catches his breath and starts looking for a way to climb back up but every time he puts his foot somewhere it breaks loose and and falls and and he can't do it and so he starts just yelling for help help is there anyone up there anyone at all and finally hears someone say yes jack i'm here and he says who is that and he says it's the lord jack and he says the lord like god y'all don't call him the lord yeah yeah god it's me i'm here where are you well i'm the lord jack i'm everywhere and he says, Can you get me off of here? And he says, I can. Oh, thank you, God. I tell you what, God, if you will save me from this, I, I'm going to clean up my life. I'm going to live the way I should live. I'm going to start going to church every Sunday. I'm going to give 10, even 20%. I'm putting it all in the offering. God, I'm just, I will. And he says, Whoa, 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 let's, let's just get you off here first, then we'll talk. And he says, Okay, what, what do you need me to do? I'll do anything you want me to do, God. And he says, Okay, listen very closely. I need you to let go of that root. I've got you. And Jack says, let go. Yeah, just let go. I'll let go of this. Yeah, just let go. I've got you. And he stops for a moment and he says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> now that's, that's a ridiculous story, but understand this. The way Jack held on to that root is the way some of us hold on to unforgiveness. We hold on to a pain or a hurt an offense from the past. We think it's holding us up, but it's actually holding us down. Maybe you've been there. Like right now, if I say, do you remember offense in your past that you've not forgiven, you're still holding on to? Maybe it's a hurtful word that said that's still playing in your mind. What are you holding on to that you think is giving you control, but it's actually controlling you? You can't be set free because you're still holding on to that. You think it's holding you up, but it's it's holding you down. You need to overlook it. You need to rise above. And that can only happen through forgiveness. You see, 20 years later, Jeff Wilson, the driver of that car, when he was in high school, was reunited with Tammy Baird. And the way it happened was this. Tammy sent him an email. She looked him up and found him and sent him an email and said, Dear Jeff, I just need you to know that you may have been the first person to hit me with a car, but you weren't the last. Now, I'm not making this up, okay? This is a true story. You see, Tammy had gone on to become a stunt performer who now specializes in the industry for being hit with a car. It's how she makes her living. She's really good at it. Um, if you've seen any major television show or movie where a woman was hit with a car, it was probably Tammy Bear. It's what she's known for. What is that? Here's another thing. Jeff, he went on to become an orthopedic surgical tech who assists surgeons to repair bones, often from auto accidents. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Do you think their lives would look like that without the forgiveness from 20 years before? I mean, how might Jeff's life have turned out? This is a young man who didn't want to continue living. Do you really think he pursues a path that helps people extend their life or the vitality of their life? He didn't even want to continue his. But forgiveness made that possible. Do you really think Tammy Baird takes the fact that she was hit with a car when she's younger and makes it into a career without forgiveness? No, no, no. Without forgiveness, she would have stayed a victim. It would have gone like this. I was minding my own business. I was just trying to get to class. They can call it an accident, but it doesn't matter. Why did it have to happen to me? I was out of class for a month. It put me behind in my studies. And she could have stayed a victim the rest of her life by holding on to unforgiveness. But forgiveness changes things. God's forgiveness changes everything. Without God's forgiveness, we're on a path of death. And it's so clear cut that without forgiveness, we pursue and we're on a path to death. But with the grace and forgiveness of God, it's the exact opposite. We're given life. It is literally an issue of life or death. That's what forgiveness is. The way you forgive others may set them free. It's going to set you free. I can guarantee it because you won't stay a victim. You're going to overlook it. You're going to rise above. But you may set them free. The way Jeff was forgiven when he was a teenager changed his life. And God's forgiveness changes everything. That's why God in his wisdom lovingly directs us to forgive. And you know why he does that? I mean, if you're a note taker, this is in the notes. He tells us to forgive because he knows that we need that forgiveness. He tells us to forgive others because we need to experience it ourselves. Look at this familiar passage from Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. It says, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you guys heard this one before? Okay, good. I just want to make sure it wasn't new. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And then he goes on to say, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven those, forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He, see, as Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray here in Matthew 6, there is an assumption on the part of God the very son of God, that when we would come to God seeking forgiveness, that we would actively be forgiving other people, that we would be people of forgiveness, because God knows we have to forgive because we need it, so how do we do that? Well, here's what you gotta know, we have got to create a personal culture of grace and forgiveness. That's how we have to live, we've gotta live within that culture. Because if you want to be able to experience the forgiveness that you need from others, you've got to be creating a culture where you are actively forgiving others. And God sets this up for us. We need this. We need this in our work relationships, right? Because truthfully, without forgiveness, there are no relationships. In your marriage, gentlemen, without forgiveness, does that marriage make it? The answer is no. Some of you were confused. It doesn't. It's not going to make it. I read a guy named PJ Smith said one time, he said, Gentlemen, be gracious and forgiving with your wife's fault. They're probably what kept her from getting a better husband. Let that sink in. Without forgiveness in our marriages, they don't make it. In your work relationships, if your boss isn't consistently forgiving you for consistently showing up five minutes late, that relationship gets severed at some point, right? You stop working there and they stop paying you. We need that forgiveness. We need to create that culture. So we need it in our homes. We need it in our workplaces. And this is difficult. Last week, we were getting in the car to go to Charlotte. And uh, our oldest son, Jackson, he's eight. He wanted to bring his Nintendo DS. And I said, no, you've spent enough time on it. Just leave it at the house. Well, he thought he was slick and could sneak it into his jacket pocket. And so I look back in, in our suburban. I look back and I see him playing on it. And I had this whole range of thoughts. Number one, I thought, how dumb does he think I am? I can't see that. He's not even hiding it. At least sit behind where I can't see you. Okay, so I have this. And in that moment, I thought I was infuriated. And I had an option. I could create a culture of grace or of judgment and wrath. And in my heart, I took it from him, rolled the window down, and threw it out on the highway. That's what happened in my heart. Thankfully, it's not what happened in the suburban. In the suburban, I I said, Jackson, we just talked about this. Give it to me. And I said, you can't have this back for seven days. He begins to weep, wailing in the back seat. And so we drove on a little while and I thought to myself, okay, it's gracious not to throw it out the window, but that's only what a crazy person does. Is this the most gracious way I can handle this situation? And so I said, hey, we need to talk about this. So we talked, and I said, here's what, here's what I think. I think we're going to do three days instead of seven. I th- you probably deserve seven, but we're going to do three, and here's why. And I just use it as a way to illustrate the way God treats us with grace. There were still consequences to his actions. He did disobey, but I want to show him that we can have a gracious home. Because if you don't have that culture of grace around you, the opposite of that is you're going to have a culture of judgment and condemnation and, and probably anger. And if you have that kind of culture, you'll probably have a lot of drama in your life. Because every time someone does something wrong, it's the end of the world. I can't believe it. You're burning bridges left and right with people. But when you create a culture of grace, a crazy thing happens you start to experience that from other people when you fail them because you're going to fail them. You need that forgiveness. I got to keep going. The second thing in this is this, why God lovingly for, directs us to forgive. It's because forgiveness teaches us about sin. It all ties together. When you sin against me, I start to get a picture of what, was it, what does it look like when I sin against the heart of God? And then I think, when I sin against God, how does He deal with me? Because if I'm God i've got lightning bolts sin boom you're gone you know just puffing people out left and right that's how we would handle it right if you became god you'd be wiping off whole neighborhoods okay because they wronged you or something it was a speed traps no there's no no one drives through there anymore but when we start to see sin the way god sees it um, then in that moment we start to think how does my sin affect god now go back to that moment Go back to that moment where someone hurt you or said something hurtful to you that you can still hear or see in your mind. And remember how that felt. I'm not doing that just to make you feel bad. I'm not doing that to to bring up, to dig up bones of, of past hurts. Understand that when we sin against God, what that does to the heart of God. And then it gives us, here's the next thing, it gives us a different perspective about the love of God. We see his love differently. We feel it more deeply. We feel it much more deeply after we go through that. And that's what changes us. Just me telling you, hey, you broke a command of God doesn't make you want to obey that command. It's only through experiencing the love of God that you want to love in return. So we don't don't obey God just because we don't want him to strike us dead. We obey him because we understand that he has dealt with us graciously. God in his word says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repentance. It's not an angry God. It's a loving God who looked down and said, mankind has turned its back on me. I've got to do something. I've got to make a way for them to find forgiveness and the life that I intended for them to live all along. And then he sent Jesus for us. God did that. That's how he deals with us. We should deal with others in the same way. You sinned against me. I've got to go out of my way to find a way to overlook the offense and open the door to healing. I can't control you. I can't make you do the right thing. But I can deal with you in a way that's gracious and loving and forgiving. And that's the last thing. God directs us to forgive because forgiven people forgive people. They do. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, I, I've looked at this in the original language. There is no asterisk there in the Greek that says you must forgive others unless they stabbed you in the back or cheated you in business or stole your girlfriend. Or There's no fine print. And where I come from, forgive anyone means forgive everyone. Anyone who offends you, you must forgive. But we kind of have different levels of that, don't we? Well, if you just do that, I, that's, I can forgive that. That's no big deal. But what about the people who have hurt us deeply? How do we forgive them? Well, it's only through the love of God. And I find this. Those who have been forgiven deeply, who have understood how deep the forgiveness and the love of God is, they in turn forgive that same way. You all know people like this, right? I mean, the extent of of the life that they have gone through, maybe the sins they committed, and when they find God and it radically changes their life, Man, they're the most loving and forgiving people because they know what it's like. They do. They know what it's like. But, but there's some people, and, and honestly, maybe they're a little bit more like me. I mean, just you guys are just starting to get to know me, but my story is I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad was a preacher or a pastor my whole life, been in church like every Sunday of my whole life, came to faith in Jesus at the age of 10. I, I, hadn't, I, had, I hadn't knocked over any liquor stores. I hadn't murdered anybody at 10. I was still a pretty good kid. I I, honestly I stayed a pretty good kid I never really did that the bad things I never it wasn't a difficult teenager it would be really easy for me to say man it didn't take a whole lot of the love of God to save me but some of you are terrible people and it took a whole lot of the love of God to save you like I don't know how he did it but that's not true is it the difference is you maybe understand the depth of your sin where if you're more like me maybe you don't You think, well, I just didn't have that much sin because we're grading it out. We got really bad sins. We got sins that aren't that big of a deal. But sin is sin against the heart of God. And when I understand how deep my sin goes, then I see how deep the love of God goes. And then I will forgive like that, too. There's no such thing as an unforgiving Christian. There's no such thing as someone who claims to follow Christ but refuses to give forgiveness. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It can't happen that way. That's why Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. He assumed we would actively be forgiven. He goes on to say this in verse 14 of Matthew 6. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now this isn't a, if you do this, then God will do that thing. God isn't waiting with his forgiveness to see if you're going to become a forgiving person. If you look at all of these verses together, you begin to understand. If you have been forgiven, you will forgive. If you understand the love and the, the depth of the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God, you will extend it in the same way. And I would go so far as to say this. If we're not forgiving people, we don't understand the love and the forgiveness of God. We don't. But God directs us to forgive because he knows that forgiven people will forgive other people. So what does this look like to be a person who is forgiving that way? Well, that's that personal culture of grace. That's about being a person whose first instinct is to forgive. Now, for some of us, that's going to be a wild swing from our first instinct is to strike back. Right? And we're going to make it clear because we live by the fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me mentality. What about those who are habitual offenders of our grace? They wrong us again and again and again. How can I forgive them? Well, if you're understanding it that by forgiving them, you're giving them permission to keep doing that, you don't have the power to give them permission, but you do have the power to hold on to the hurt or to let it go to God. You do have that kind of power. You've got to create that culture. You know, I just, I want that. I want that with my friends. When they wrong me, Most of the time, I want them to maybe they don't ever even know because I forgive them without them even needing to know or ask. I want that in my home. I want to create that culture where my kids can come to me and say, Dad, I did this. I know it was wrong. And the reason they're coming to me is because they know that I'm going to be fair and I'm going to be loving and I'm going to be gracious and I'm going to point them to Jesus and their need for him. I'm not just going to fly off the handle and overreact. I'm going to create that culture because I need it and you need it Uh, that verse Proverbs 19 where it says a man's wisdom gives him patience and it's his glory to overlook an offense that word overlook in the original language it literally means to pass over can you get this mentality with me can you get this image that to pass over an offense is literally to rise above you've heard the term take the high road right I'm going to take the high road. Most of the time, we're passive aggressive with the high road. Well, I'm going to take the high road because I'm better. I'm just not even going to respond. That's not what this verse is telling you to do. It's saying this. No, no, I'm not taking the high road. I'm going to overlook it because I understand how deep my sin is. So because I, can, because I know how, how deep my sin is and the way I've been forgiven, then that gives me the strength by the power of God to overlook, to rise above, to pass it over. To let it go. So let me ask this question as we wrap up. Do you have a hurt or an offense from the past that you're still holding on to that you need to forgive, that you need to rise above, that you need to pass over? I'm not saying you need to go home and get, pull out your phone and call somebody from 20 years ago and, hey, listen, you really hurt me bad, and I just want you to know I forgive you. No, you need to let it go right now. You need to pray and say, God, give me the strength to see how deeply you've forgiven me. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to move on from this. I'm going to rise above. Because you've been holding on to it, and it's holding you down. Chances are, if I said, do you have someone you need to forgive? Right now, their face came into your mind. Sorry about that. Can't, Can't go back now. It's already there. You already know who you need to forgive. For some of you, it's a whole list. It's scrolling. You're holding on to so many past hurts. And I'm not making light of it. You may have been through a lot of difficulty in your life. But right now, you have the choice. Am I going to be a victim and a prisoner to that? Or am I going to allow God to use it and to allow me to rise above? Today, you could be set free. You think that you're holding on to it and you've got control of the situation. But it's controlling you. But, you know, we start talking about rising above. We start talking about passing over. I mean, I go back to the first Passover. Maybe you know the story. It's in the book of Exodus. You've got God's children. They're, they're slaves in Egypt, and he wants to set them free. So he sends his representative there. And Moses goes before to, to, to request, even demand their freedom. And the king, the pharaoh of Egypt says, no, not going to happen. So God sends a series of plagues in. One after another, one after another. And then the, finally, the big one, the one that's going to seal the deal. It's going to be this moment on this night where the death angel is going to come into the city and it's going to take the life of the firstborn son in every home. And God says to his people, there's a way that that you can avoid this. You need to take the best lamb that you have and you need to sacrifice that lamb. Take the blood of that lamb and spread it over the door of your house. And when you do that, tonight when the death angel comes in, it's going to pass over your home. And that life will be spared. In, the, in that first Passover, that's what it took. It took the blood of a lamb for them to be passed over. And I love that because it gives us this great picture of what was going to happen one day when Jesus came. And he was going to come down. He was going to live a perfect life. And then he was going to willingly go to the cross for his life to be laid down, for his blood to be shed, so that now his blood can be applied to the heart of any man, woman, or child who would. And through that, your sins can be passed over. Man, isn't that beautiful? And God does that. God did that on your behalf. For me, it happened when I was 10 years old. I didn't, I mean, I understood it as a 10-year-old. I'm understanding it more now as a 37-year-old every day. How deep the love of God was that would forgive me. Maybe today you need that forgiveness. Maybe you haven't been forgiving because you haven't truly understood and received the forgiveness that God offers. Maybe today that's the decision you need to make. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we come today and we thank you for the truth of your word, for the forgiveness that you offer to us, God. God, that through your forgiveness, we can be set free from our sins. But God, by forgiving others, we can be set free of being a prisoner to that pain and that hurt. If you're in here and nobody's looking around, it's just, it's just you and me, and you would say, Carrie, today, I know that there's somebody I need to forgive. Maybe it's a whole list of people. <coughs> I know who they are. I remember what they did. I've been holding on to it. And you would say, today, I want to I set them free. I want to set myself free. I want to forgive them. Just raise your hand. Say, that's me today. We've got hands all over the room. There's many more. I know you didn't raise your hand right now, but you've got something. Right now, God, I pray that you'll give us the strength to let it go. But God, I know that the only way we can really do that is when we understand how deeply we've been forgiven. So help us to see our sin through your eyes. Help us to understand your love and your grace and your forgiveness. Maybe you're in here today, and you would say, I need to experience that forgiveness. I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God. I've fallen so short. Mess up again and again. And today, for the very first time, you would say, I need to give my heart to Jesus and receive his forgiveness. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I see you down here, up in the front. Anybody else? Over here on the side, anybody else? Any others? God, today, thank you for the courage. But God, I know that when we see you for who you are, we come to you. So God, I thank you today for those who would say, today is going to be a turning point for me. I'm going to forgive And by your power, God, they're going to rise above. And God, I thank you for those that today would say, I need to give my heart to Jesus. If that was you, you raised your hand. Let me invite you just to pray to God. Say, God, you know me. You know everything I've ever done. You've seen all my failures, all my sins. God, today I turn my heart over to you. I give my life to you, Jesus. I thank you for giving me new life and forgiveness today. We pray it together in Jesus' name.